With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Sacker Cricket Show with Travis Wakeling, focusing on all things cricket in South Australia. Join the strikers in their quest for glory. Yes, welcome back to the Sacker Cricket Show with Travis Wakeling and Jason Dizzy Gillespie. I hooked you at the start of the the show today and I told you that we were going to listen to Jason's story about his incredible 201 not out uh, in Bangladesh back in 2006. So I'm going to set the scene for you. Are you ready to talk about it, Dizzy? I know you've been waiting for this moment all show. 100%. You love to talk about it, don't you? Oh, absolutely. Do you you have a text message sign-off that uh, ends in 201? I might. (laughs) 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 All right, so we're going to start out. We're going to take you back, 2005, post-Ashes. Dizzy finds himself out of the side. It's, um, you know, and then we get, we get through the summer and you're playing great cricket in, uh, in the Sheffield Shield. Coming towards a, uh, after a long summer, we, uh, we get to a Bangladesh tour, which we don't, as Australians, we don't get to see our, our team over in Bangladesh all that often. So it's a nice little niche tour. And uh, you come in for the great man, Glenn McGrath. Uh, first test in Fatula, you bowl incredibly well and you made a pretty handy 26 down the order. You must have felt like you were, you were in with the bat after the 26. Yeah, I was gutted. I got out. I, I played a poor shot. I, I thought I was a batter. So I, I played a cross a back foot. It was a skiddy pitch. It was a silly decision. Ball was skidding through from the spinner, left arm spinner. And I tried to play a back foot pull shot. I got clean bowled. Um, ball was just keeping low. And I vowed if I batted again in this series, I would not make that same mistake again. And uh, Gee I didn't. Well, what a promise you've made to yourself there. So we'll move on to match two. It's uh, in, right. Chitt- in Chittagong. Yep. Uh, and... So one, one for 67s when you came in, when Matt Hayden got out. But at what point before that are you putting on the pads knowing that it's your time to shine? Well, I mean, the, the thing was, Trav, I did my job. We, we bowled out um, Bangladesh for about 180-odd in the first inning. So I got three for 11, did my job as you an opening indeed. bowler. And then I'm sort of taking my, taking my boots off and I, I get a tap on my shoulder and I look up and it's our captain, the number one ranked batter by the ICC rankings in the world. And he says, Diz. And I say, Rick. He says, I can't do it. I said, what are you talking about? He said, mate, if we lose a wicket, I can't go out there and face this attack, mate. I need you to go out and do my job for me. And I said, Rick, but you're the number one batsman in the world, mate. He said, put your pads on. I'm captain. Do your job. So I put my pads on. No sooner had I put my pads on that a wicket fell. Matty Hayden succumbed to the, uh, to the, this Bangladesh bowling attack. Uh, had to go out there and uh, face the music. That's right. Now, this is a job that you got pretty frequently in Test cricket. You were known for having a very, very solid defence. Yep. So uh, you'd, you'd done it a number of times. Do you feel nervous? More excited because I always saw it as an opportunity. Um, yes, nerves, absolutely. I used to get more nervous batting than I ever did bowling because I just felt bowling. I'm at the top of my mark. I'm in complete control here. Uh, nothing can happen until I run in and bowl the ball. So I, I felt a sense of... Uh, yeah, you'll have a little bit of nerves, but more I'm in charge here and I'm, I'm dictating terms here. Whereas batting, you're relying on what could happen. The ball could come out, it could kick or turn or swing or spin or whatever. 
so you're at the mercy of that a little bit. But um, so yeah, few nerves, but again, exciting an opportunity to go out and hopefully bat long. And yeah. uh, I might have done that. Yeah, <laughs> you definitely did. Uh, so you get out there, you stride out to the crease, first few balls. How are you feeling? How how do you get through to 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 stumps that night? Yeah, I'm facing Abdul Razak, little left arm left arm spin bowler from um, Bangladesh, and had men all around the bat. And every time the ball wasn't really turning, it was just skidding on. So he was just attacking the stump. So I just thought, well, I've got to make sure if I keep my front pad out of the way, trust myself to hit the ball, I should be okay. Short back lift, and because he was quite quick through the air and. There were so many oohs and ahs from the Bangladesh fielders all around the bat. And I just made sure I played as straight as I could, uh, hit the ball back down to where it came from and uh, tried to take as much of the strike as I could because that was my job as night watchman. Love it. And so the next morning, you're starting batting well. You're putting some, you're putting some score on the board. It's, it, you're getting to that point. You're moving towards 50. What, what kind, what, at what point does the, the big score enter your mind? Are you thinking 50 first? At what point are you thinking 50? I'm just going up in tens, really. Um, probably the next day, I, I probably I might have done something a bit silly. I, after Phil Jakes succumbed, he couldn't handle the pressure. Um, so then Ricky Ponting came out to bat, and I was at about 15, 20 at the time, and, and he reached his 50, and I'd moved to about 22. Um, but then I might have done something silly, um, which said to me I needed to stay out in the middle trap. Yeah, absolutely. I ran out the Australian captain. Yeah, and that's so, and that's the point when you realise you've got to get the job done. I've got to get the job done. Yeah. So I, I went forward, I pressed forward, ball hit the outside half of my bat, it went to backward point, and uh, I look up and Ricky's halfway down the wicket. So I did what any uh, uh, tail ender send who's gone back. out there to be. I said, him back. I said, no. <laughs> and he turned around and Ricky had the turning circle of the QE2. He was pretty slow and he's headed back and... I didn't realise that this guy at backward point was a left-handed fielder. So he's picked it up. He's thrown the stumps down. And uh, all I heard um, was some cursing and the name Dizzy uh, all the way off the ground. So yeah, at that that's moment... All, that's all you thought, need to hear. <laughs> at, at that moment, Trav, I thought, geez, I better stay out here. I don't want to go back into that dressing room. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> now, you'd made you'd made Test 50s before, of course. We all yep. remember that big one up at the Gabba. But uh, you're starting to move it towards 100. This is a big, big moment in your career. Yep. And, you know, you've been pretty honest in saying in the past that you, you probably knew it was your last Test as well. Yep. So... How, how are you feeling at this point in time? You're sort of approaching the 80s, 90s and getting up towards 100. Yeah, well, as I said, I'd, I'd never made 100 in any form of cricket, not even the backyard. So I was in absolutely new territory here. So I just kept focusing on the process of how I'd got – I I'd, I'd, I'd worked up in 10s as a partnership and then as an individual. Like, if I, okay, if I can go from 60 to 70 here, if there's a partnership, we can go from 180 to 190. I just worked in those small little goals and – I just kept focusing on that. And I, I had my, my thing, keep the front pad out of the way, trust myself to hit the ball. If it's uh, outside my off stump, I'll look to play a positive shot. If it's on the stumps, I'll defend. If it's really tight on my legs, I'll just tuck it away on the leg side and get some runs. And and I, I kept it as simple as that. Short back lift because I didn't want to get beaten for pace, um, you know, one sliding under the bat. And I just kept focusing on that. And, yeah, eventually I got there, and yeah, it was it was a pretty cool feeling. I must admit, uh, to get a Test hundred, it was yeah pretty special. You celebrated pretty hard as well, didn't you? Yeah, always. Yeah, yeah always. <laughs> I knew it was never going to happen again. <laughs> yeah. Well, well it, in one way or another, it was because you were about to hit another hundred runs. 
Yeah. So how how did your mindset? So you've hit your hundred. Was there any any talk at that point of a declaration, or were you looking to press on and go? What was the messaging coming through from from Ricky and the team around when you were when you were allowed to bat till? I think there was a lot of time left in the game, so uh, I don't think there was any any real time pressure. Um, I think the boys were saying, surely Dizzy can't double it up and get another double, get a double hundred. But I remember I was in about the one sixties, one seventies, and I played a big shot, and it just missed the stumps. And I was batting with Mike Hussey; he was at the other end. He comes down the wicket. He's going, Dizzy, what the heck are you doing? I said, Man, I'll just play a shot. He said. You will never, ever be in this position again in your life. Pull your head in. You can get a test double hundred here. And I'm thinking, oh, I was a bit put out. I'll start walking back to my crease going, hey, hush, that's a bit harsh. And then by the time I got back to my crease, I realized he was 100% right. And I pulled my head in. <laughs> I love it. And I've, I've heard a little story as well. You had a few of the, uh, the batsmen's top scores in your mind as you were yeah. as you were going through those real high scores, so moving on, pushing in from 150 towards 200, yeah. uh, what was going through your mind at, at that point in time? Yeah, I raised my bat at 158, um, 159, because Mark Waugh's high score was 158. <laughs> um, our friend Wayne Phillips, 159, might have gone past him. Um, Darren Lehman, I think he was 178 from memory. So, And he got his against Bangladesh, so he can't say it was against a, a lesser team or anything like that. So, um, so yeah, but and it, it was a lot of fun, mate. And, yeah. Uh, you know, just, just going up. I, I, did send, um, I did send Mark War a text message after my double hundred, and I did say to him, my oh, junior, just need some advice just for my own learning and um, improvement. Um, I found the 160s really challenging in test cricket batting. Um, how did you go? And, uh, and I got a very short reply. He so, was laughing, but he, go away. Look, it's something you can hold over him for the rest of your life, mate. So I don't think he's getting in there for a du- test double ton anytime no, soon either. Right. So, no, well done, mate. And how did you celebrate on the night? It was uh, obviously a big, big couple of days for you out in the middle. Well, the, the end of the... Well, because there was a bit of rain about throughout the game, so the, the the innings was stretched over a few days. But I think it was more the end of the test match. Um, you know, we won the test, won the series. I was man of the match, man of the series, which was really cool. We got eight wickets at 11 and 245 runs at 245, never to play again. Um, not that I'm upset about that at all, but uh, no, uh, it was. I knew it was the end of my career. I, I was, I was done. Adam Gilchrist gave me the uh, the absolute honour and privilege of leading the team song um, at the end of the game, and and I, I sensed. I've never really spoken to him about this specifically with Gilly, but I reckon he sensed it was my last Test match as well. Um, so it was just a for me at the time. I thought this was pretty special, and I, I knew I was done. Yeah. Um, and I reckon the boys sensed that as well. And it was kind of a really nice way to sort of finish off your career. And, you know, I've, I finished off playing a yeah. couple of seasons of state cricket, but but it was just a wonderful, wonderful Incredible way to finish memory. off. But yeah, we were at the top of the, our hotel building in uh, in Chittagong there and uh, sang the team song. And it was just a great way to, uh, I suppose, complete my test career. Love it. Well... Looking forward to uh, hearing from our next Night Watchman. So this is going to be a regular segment on the show. We're going to talk Night Watchman, and we want to hear from our listeners what the best memory they have of an Australian 
Night Watchman's Innings. So reach out via the socials. That's SENSA1629 or to the Sacker page on Facebook. And let us know what's the best one you've ever seen. We want to talk to them as well and hear those stories. So uh, we've started off, we've kicked it off with a bang, but we want to keep this theme going throughout the season to finish our show. So looking forward to next week. We're going to have a special guest from our Adelaide Strikers WBBL Championship. So can't wait to hear all the stories about about that game and about that incredible season that they've just had going back to back. Uh, There's plenty to talk about from the Perth Test as well. We've got a test match starting this week, so there'll be a bit happening in that space. Quick one uh, for you, Dizzy. David Mm. Warner, if he doesn't go so well in this test, is he seeing it through to Sydney? Yeah, I think he will be. I, I think he's been shown... Um, I, I think the selectors and the coach, uh, Andrew McDonald and Captain Pat Cummins have shown um, shown their hand. They've shown their faith. They're backing an experienced player. I know he's probably been a bit quiet in test cricket last couple of years, but you know, Andrew McDonald loves experience. Uh, yeah. he, he's made that very clear as, as coach. And, um, you know, I, I'd, I'd be very, very surprised if he didn't have his farewell uh, at the SCG. And a quick couple of names. Who are the two leading contenders to, to take him over? Look, there's been talk. Cameron Bancroft has probably done nothing wrong. He's scored a heap of runs uh, domestically. Um, Marcus Harris, Matt Renshaw have been the other names bandied about. With Matt Renshaw got 136 not out for the PM's 11. Um, but I've been hearing, you know, if you really listen to words out of the Australian camp, I wouldn't discount Mitchell Marsh yep. uh, to open the batting. I'd just some, some of the comments that Andrew McDonald and Pat Cummins have made, uh, George Bailey, he's definitely in the conversation. Love it. A bit Shane Watson-esque if that happens. Mm. Uh, so we'll have plenty of Premier Cricket to talk about. The weather looks much better this weekend. Not that I'm a weatherman, but I reckon we'll get some play in Premier Cricket this weekend, so there'll be lots to wrap up from there. Uh, we'll do a preview of the Adelaide Strikers game, taking on the Sydney Thunder on the 19th of December. Uh, of course, we'll uh, be looking forward to that and seeing how the boys go there, Diz. And... Um, it's been great having you in the studio today. No, what a way to, uh, to kick it off. Oh, thanks very much for having me, mate. It's been great. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much for joining us, everyone. Look forward to hearing you next week. And make sure that you get along to Adelaide Oval on Tuesday night, December 19, to cheer on your Adelaide Strikers under lights. Thank you, and we'll catch you next week.